Let's pray together. Lord, you think, we thank you that you are our God, that you are our King, you are our Lord. Lord, that you have not left us alone, but you have sent us the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to equip us and aid us in our task, Lord. And so we ask that even now, as we um, hear about your work throughout the nations, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be working in us, Lord, to be um, better missionaries, better senders, people who are captured by your glory, God, and want to see your glory spread throughout all the nations. So we pray as we hear about your work in the Middle East, Lord, uh, open our hearts, Lord. I pray that as a church we'd be known as mighty prayers who support the work of mission, Lord, in our fervent prayers for this work, God. So we ask that you be this time in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So it's uh, my honor to either uh, introduce to you today or reintroduce to you today uh, Megan Aris, who uh, we met at, Brianna and I, at school at HSU during a prayer meeting. And we were praying over the whole, through the night. It was a long night, but it was a good night. And uh, we met Megan there. And maybe a couple weeks later, the Lord put on my heart to call and ask her if there's something that maybe he needed us to do for her. And so I, out of impulse, called and come to find out she was going on a mission trip to the Middle East and that she was looking for uh, support um, from here in Humboldt County because it would be sad for her to be in Humboldt County and not have support from some of the local churches here. And so um, being slightly well-connected to this area, um, I dragged her around for an entire week, Brandon and I, to a bunch of Bible studies, and it was one of my honors to bring her to my own church. And um, so she has come back from missions, and she has a lot to share. But I just want to uh, remind you of a verse I think I uh, shared with you guys before. And this comes from Third John. Verses, I'm sorry. It says, Beloved, is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. You do well to send them on the journey in a manner worthy of God. They have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we, we may be fellow workers of the truth. And so as a small church, sometimes you wonder how we can be involved in missions. Uh, maybe if you can't go on missions, you wonder how can we still be involved in this work. That's Christ's work. He said that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not stand against it. And so the way that we as a small church can do this is be good senders of people who go. So, uh, Megan, we're looking forward to hearing from you. Good morning. Hi. Um, I'm really excited and thankful to be sharing with you guys um, what God did this past year. Um, but I really just want to share a quote with you um, by one of the famous missionaries, Jim Elliott. And he just says that missionaries are truly simple folks, just a bunch of nobodies trying to exalt a somebody. So I hope today that this is really less about me and more about what God's doing in the nations and that you can catch a glimpse of what he's doing um, and get excited. And um, also, I'm going to share with you some things that God's doing in our midst in Humboldt County and at HSU. Um, so just to introduce myself a little bit more, since I don't know a lot of you, um, but it's great to see faces that I do remember meeting last time I was here. Um, my name's Megan, like Levi said, and I'm actually um, from the Bay Area and a junior at Humboldt State. Uh, I'm studying social work, and I would be a senior, but as I'll share with you, I took a year off um, from Humboldt to go um, live overseas for a year. So it would be my senior year, but I'm back as a junior. Um, so I became a believer when I was in middle school in seventh grade. Um, I come from a Catholic background. Um, my family, uh, very culturally Catholic. My dad is from Portugal. My mom is from Canada, but she also had a, a Catholic upbringing. Um, so I was familiar with who Jesus was, but didn't know him as my personal savior until I was invited to a church camp, and um, a Christian church camp. And it was actually in that moment when I came to know Christ where I like really grasped it as the truth and had this childlike faith where I was like, this is the best news 
ever. Like, I want to go to the deserts and the jungles and tell everyone about this. And so I think God just started to spark this kind of adventurous um, desire to go um, share with everyone um, and, and be missional, not just overseas, but with my life. And um, I still to this day think my greatest mission field is in my family because none of them are believers yet. Um, and so um, how I actually came up to humble, I felt like was a missionary calling in itself. Um, I, it was my junior year of high school, and I was starting to pray about where God might want me to go to school. And I saw Humble, and I was definitely attracted immediately to the curb appeal of a place. I was like, why have I never heard of this? Like, it's school, like, nestled in the redwoods on the coast. Like, and someone turned to me and was like, Megan, like, that's like the pot capital of the world, and where like, all these like, liberals and hippies are. And I'm like, all right, like, I think they need the Lord. And, you know, I was, I guess, at a point in my faith where I was just like, okay, I look back, and I see that was like God in my heart and Christ changing me. But um, so I actually also feel called to Humboldt County in that sense of just reaching um, this area and especially the students at HSU um, because it is, as we know, a dark place. Um, and then um, how I got involved in the Middle East, um, I'm involved with Campus Crusade for Christ. It's now called CRU. Uh, it's a Christian ministry, if you're not familiar with it, that um, is the biggest, largest um, Christian ministry worldwide. They're actually in over 219 countries. Fun fact, that's more than where um, the countries at McDonald's in. Um, so that's really good. Um, and so, yeah, uh, the Christian ministry is mainly focused on campuses, but a big reason why they actually changed the name to CREW is because there's so many umbrella ministries within it, serving demographics of the inner city, doing relief work, and going to nations where <laughs> the word crusade is not really well welcomed. So, um, so crew is now the new name, and I got involved at Humboldt State um, my freshman year, and they do short-term mission trips during the summer, uh, and I was ready. Like by the time I got to college, I was like, "All right, Lord, like I feel like missions is something that." you've laid on my heart and given me um, a desire to do. Uh, so I applied, and I really had no preference. I've kind of worked in a number of areas with, um, I was working with human trafficking NGOs that were fighting against issues that were mainly working in Asia, um, but also in San Francisco, so I was connected with that when I was in the Bay. Um, so I just applied, and I was, didn't really know where God would send me, but I was willing, and uh, I then got a call um, saying that they were sending um, the first group of students to this location, um, which I still can't share openly, just for the sake of safety and persecution, um, but I'll be sharing about. And, um, and so I went on a short-term trip and felt God really tug me to go back. Um, and I won't go into super detail about how, but if you want to take me aside later, I'd love to share more about that calling. So. Um, so I went back um, for the year, and I just want to share with you what God is doing all over the world and a little bit more about the unreached part of the world. Um, so this is one of my favorite verses and a verse that the Lord put on my heart throughout this last 10 months when I was overseas. Um, for, as the for as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. So it's just that is a promise of God that he is going to, um, you know, cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. And we might not see it in our lifetime, um, the, the seeds we sow, but um, I've just been really encouraged. You know, uh, I have friends who are missionaries in China, and um, they're seeing just such a great harvest there. But 30 years ago, it was just really, really a tough soil, but they've been having a lot of exposure. And... Um, I would say that where I was is kind of where China was 30 years ago. And so I'm just encouraged hearing stories of, you know, God causes righteousness and praises sprout it before all the nations, but it's, it's in his timing. And so um, to just have that eternal perspective was something God really put on my heart. So um, can you go to the next slide? Um, so I just wanted to explain the 1040 window. Um, the 1040 window is this area that is pictured right here. Um, it's pretty much called the last frontier. So the last area of the world that is unreached with the gospel, with people groups, so people of ethnicities and languages that have 
not been reached with missionaries, don't have Bible material in their language, um, or don't have a person within their group who is a follower of Christ. And um, yeah, it's this North Africa, Middle East, Central Asia, and East Asia um, that is the, the last frontier, considered the last frontier. Um, and where I was, 93% of the people groups were unreached, 0.05% of the population is Christian and zero are evangelical. Uh, so it's a hev it was a heavily, it is a heavily Muslim country, and um, Islam was incredibly institutionalized into their society. Um, and, but I don't know if you're aware, um, and I'll be sharing more, but uh, the Lord is really revealing himself to Muslims all over the world through dreams and visions, and um, it's just this amazing phenomenon that God's um, just reaching people, and it just is a humbling thing to me because it just reminds me, all right, God, like, you don't need me, but you want me to come and be obedient, and he wants us to be a part of the advancement of his kingdom, but he is already doing a work, um, and he calls us to the harvest to be laborers and what he's already doing. Um, so go ahead to the next slide. So to explain a little bit more about what I was doing there, because obviously we don't walk into this country as missionaries um, and we wouldn't be allowed in. Um, we had an NGO platform, so non-governmental organization, where we were working on humanitarian and academic development projects. Um, and so my team is pictured there. And um, within our team, we had a number of projects where we were helping um, serve the community that we were in. Um, so we had English uh, centers for men and women. And then we actually had like a micro-loaning program for women where we were teaching them to sew um, and just like learn handicrafts so that they can make a wage because um, women are very, um, yeah, they're like subjected in that society and um, they don't have a lot of opportunity to make money yet. Um, and so we worked on those projects. And then my main focus was um, partnering with an organization where we taught debate and leadership skills to university students and both men and women. And so it was um, really just training and being with like the next leaders of this country and um, exchanging dialogue. And through these projects and through these exposures with the locals, we were able to invite them into our home and build these relationships with them where we we're not only sharing the gospel but our whole lives as well. Um, and that's where we saw just a lot of open doors for the gospel was um, it is such a relational culture in Central Asia um, where, you know, it's people-oriented and they have this saying where in the East they have watches or in the West we have watches, but in the East they have time. And so this idea that, like, time really just doesn't matter and, you know, you invite someone over, they might come over at 8, they might come over at 10, they might stay the whole day or, you know, and so it's just like this flexibility that, kind of hits you as a in the face of the Westerner when you're first getting used to the culture. But um, it's also like a really beautiful thing where people um, just value people a lot more than we do in a sense where um, I actually learned a lot about what community looks like from this culture and that's um, in that aspect. But um, we would have our women over our house and we would just have something like simple um, as like a Christmas party where we were able to openly share what is the meaning of Christmas? Why do we celebrate Christmas? Um, same with Easter. So for every holiday, we did that. But we even did just parties for no reason. So just an excuse to have people in our house to share. We um, had like a spa day where we invited women over to our house. And we did like, you know, facials and things like that. But um, we actually got to present um, like what it means to be beautiful in the sight of God and like through Christ. And so... Um, just opportunities like that where it takes some creativity and discernment for sure in how to share, but God just really opened doors pretty easily. And um, when I was over there and when we had opportunities to have people in our home, I actually found it easier to sh share the gospel and like have religious language and then like tie that into truth than I do here in Humboldt. Because um, people, when I talk to students on campus who are not believers, you know, it's this very kind of relativistic feel where they're just like, oh, yeah, that's really cool for you, and way to go, oh, that's great. But they don't really have any reverence for truth. Um, they're just very spiritual. But um, it's like in, in Central Asia, people actually, like, 
they're they're religious, so they want to hear more like like what do you do when you pray? Why don't you pray five times a day like we do? It's like oh, I get to pray like throughout the day through the Spirit, and um, so people are were more open to hear about that, which is really interesting to me. Um, and I just wanted to share um, one of the miracles that we saw God do. Um, it was just this powerful symbolism that the Lord just provided beautifully for his gospel to um, go forth and for us to share. Um, but actually, this exact time last year, um, Muslims have a holiday called Eid Korban, and it's a holiday of sacrifice. And so because they don't believe in Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice and the Messiah, they still do Old Testament atonement sacrifices. And so um, in different Muslim countries, they celebrate this differently, but because this country is still very underdeveloped, very, very traditional, um, third world Muslim country, they practice it like very Old Testament. And so um, families buy a sheep, and they'll like sacrifice it in their yard, and then have family over to feast on the sacrificed sheep. Um, and it's an atonement sacrifice. Um, and, and so, you know, we were just so heartbroken when we were hearing all these people celebrating it because we were like, how the enemy is blinding these people from seeing, like, the true sacrifice, you know, in these countries. Um, and so we were just really heavy-hearted about it and praying that the Lord would reveal to us a way that we could share um, Christ as the ultimate sacrifice in a contextualized way that would be, um, that they would see the truth. And so we decided that we were going to participate in the sacrifice. So we bought a sheep, and it lived in our backyard for a little bit, and we named it Steve. And we said that we weren't going to name it, but we did. And, um, and our hope with it was that, you know, we would invite our non-believing friends that were on staff with us, because we did work, like I said, in the NGO, and we had locals that we were working with who were not believers, and then also our other friends. Um, so we invited them um, to um, participate with us in the sacrifice, which is very normal um, to them. Like, that's what they do. And, um, but we got to share, like, why, as Christians, we do not do it. Um, like, and we got to share the, the full gospel with them, um, but they still were able to see that symbolism that they were really familiar with. So it was an amazing door. And so we were really excited about that. We are like, Lord, we really feel like you were in it. And he didn't even stop there because two days later, um, mind you, um, that day that we did the sacrifice, sunny October day, um, two days later there was an earthquake. And then on the third day there was this massive snowstorm that just like laid in the whole city like white. And so... Like, three days later, you know, we got, and then after that, that, the next week is holiday. Like, everyone is visiting friends and family and just stopping by and sharing the meat that they have an abundance of now. Um, and so it was this beautiful picture and symbolism, you know, of sacrifice, three days later, white as snow. Uh, and we just got to tie it to the gospel in, like, such a symbolic way. And so when we were entering into homes, we were with people who, you know, their whole families were there. So we got to visit probably like 15 houses with 10 people in each one of them that were local and um, use the symbolism that the Lord provided um, to share the gospel. And, um, yeah, it was just a very powerful way to explain it, too, because it's an illiterate culture. Um, and so... In a literate culture, storytelling is very powerful, and symbolism is very powerful. So, um, you know, we just, we wouldn't even, we were like, God, we couldn't even think of that. But um, he did it, and it really provided this amazing door to share with probably over 30 people in just a week. Um, and so it was, that was one of my favorite stories. And it's actually, this holiday just happened, um, so be praying for that again, that you know, against the enemy, to con that's who's blinding people to believe that they still need to celebrate this holiday. Um, that is obviously, you know, blasphemy in the eyes of Christ and degrading what his sacrifice was. Um, and so you can go to the next slide. Um, so these are just more pictures of the people. Um, like I said, just very hospitable culture and um, 
Yeah, um, I'm going to share about one of my friends. Um, she and I developed a relationship through the debate program that I was helping facilitate. And um, this girl like really caught my eye. She was like super firecracker working for like BBC, and <laughs> she's just very revolutionary for a woman in, a woman in this country. Um, but um, we were sitting in one of our seminars, and she <laughs> just said something that like had everyone kind of like turned to her, and she definitely could have gotten very like persecuted or even turned in for what she said, but she just kind of had some like Martin Luther thoughts in like the Muslim world where she's like, I don't think we need mullahs to know about God. I don't think we need these people telling us what to do. And I was like, oh, like this girl, like before someone like hurts her, like I'm going to, I really want to invest in her. So um, for like the next couple weeks, she would come to my house and we would have um, conversations about God. And I got to share um, through Romans Road and like really open the word with her. Um, so that was one of my favorite <laughs> relationships, but um, just because she was so um, so open and at a place where she was already really realizing that you can't rely on someone else to show you who God is. Um, but uh, so that was a really encouraging, really encouraging um, relationship. So maybe the next slide. Um, so working in Central Asia. And also even just Humboldt County, and as we ha think of our worlds and we read the news, um, I think it's easy to get discouraged about the things we see and, like, the hopelessness. Even with my own family, I, I'm like, God, like, when are they going to know you, you know? Um, but, and around December, I just um, hit the pit of despair. They give you this, like, cultural... Um, outline of what your transition will look like overseas and they say oh like the first couple months is like this honeymoon period and then you hit the pit of despair and then you go up and you kind of like even out and it's like just how you culturally kind of just contextualize into the culture assimilate um, and yeah I, I definitely followed that model some people do some people don't but I'm really glad they gave it out in the beginning in my training because I was like wow, I think I'm at my pit of despair. But um, it was really neat because in that time, I just, I think it's obviously in those times of struggle where the Lord just holds us even closer and wants us to seek his face and wants, um, yeah, us to persevere through those tri trials. Um, but he brought me to Habakkuk 1, 1 through 5. And this is just one of my favorite verses now. And in that a despair moment, I was like, I am Habakkuk, like I feel just like this guy. But this is his, what he said. He said, how long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Violence is everywhere, I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed and there's no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice goes forth perverted. And then the Lord replied, Look around at the nations, look and be amazed, for I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. And that just gave me the chills. I think I read that and I just like started to weep because, you know, in the, in the Middle East and in so many countries, I mean, this is really what I saw and I don't want to be dramatic, but this is kind of the environment that I was in with just violence and people arguing. And, um, and it does, like, often seem hopeless. Um, and there was just so much corruption um, that we're just, even as an NGO, it was hard to function because of the corruption in the society. And then when God brought, like, just replies to Habakkuk with, look and be amazed, I'm doing something that you would not even believe if I told you. Um, it just really humbled me to continue to persevere, um, and for all of us, wherever, whatever environment he has for us, to persevere, knowing that he is accomplishing his, um, his kingdom coming and his will being done, and we're getting to play a part of that, but we might not see the full picture until we're in heaven. Um, and so that really helped me just have perspective this year, this verse, um, and has continued to give me perspective as I'm now in ministry with crew at Humboldt. Um, so I just wanted to share that with all of you guys. And then go to the next slide. 
Um, so I did want to encourage you guys just to continue to pray for the nations and pray for the last frontier, that 1040 window, um, but also to pray for um, Humboldt County um, with a missional sense and see the people who are around you in your everyday life, your coworkers, um, your whatever, your neighbors, um, as people that God dearly loves and wants you to be missional to and live your life with. And um, I just wanted to share these two verses that the Lord also encouraged me with. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And, um, yeah, I just was really encouraged by those verses when I went, but again, they're continuing to be encouragements to me here. Um, and so just wanted to encourage you with that. Um, and yeah, that picture on the edge, I just, my teammates and I were able to go to this really rural part of the country, and I felt like I was in like one of the born like identity movies where they like go way out on a map and then like like single in into like the middle of nowhere (laughs) and it was just really awesome to know that there are these places like that and to just even be able to pray over that edge over that um country or over that little village but um yeah the lord really made me feel like i was at the end of the earth and uh he is sending people everywhere so continue to pray for people going out okay the next slide all right, so I just also wanted to let you guys know what's going on at Humboldt State. Um, so like I said, I'm a junior there in the social work program. And um, yeah, I also believe that God called me to Humboldt to be a missionary as well. And I got the privilege to come back and be a um, part-time intern with CREW. So I'll tell you a little bit about what I do with CREW and even how you can be a part of this ministry as well or just pray for what's going on at Humboldt a little more. Um, So my role is discipling women, which is really my heart, and um, sharing my faith with students. And I was like, this is like my dream job. And so it's just really fun. Um, We have a a movement or ministry of about 40 to 60 students um, that come every week. We meet on Friday nights, and we have just a time of worship and a time in the Word. We always have some sort of after event. This was at a retreat recently. Um, And God put the nations on my heart and so we're really trying to focus on um, reaching international students and there is a huge number of international students at Humboldt State. Um, There's a large amount of Chinese students, of Saudi Arabian students, South American students um, and it's just been beautiful for me to see that too is that God has brought the nations to our backyard so you know we don't even have to go um, necessarily to countries, but the nations are literally at Humboldt State. Um, And so we can reach these students from all over, um, right, in our county, because they're here. And they're here usually for a short time, you know, up to a year usually on exchange. Um, So we're really focusing on that in our ministry. And um, I wanted to share a really neat story. I do an international Bible study with girls on Monday nights. And um, the girls that are coming are from Uh, Japan, Korea, and Burma, and um, so it's predominantly Asian students. And um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but North Korea is the most persecuted nation in the whole entire world. So it's also, which means that, you know, there is severe punishment for those who claim anything against the government, but especially Christians, and they have concentration camps, they have, like, prisons that are just really even like morbid in their um, just, yeah, how they criminalize uh, persecution and religious thought. Um, And so I've been praying for North Korea for maybe like four years. And so when I was, when I heard that this girl who was a Christian was from Korea, I was excited to talk with her. In one of our discipleship meetings, she shared with me her story. And um, she actually escaped from North Korea when she was 22. And she just left her family. Um, she did this by herself. Um, left her family when she was 22. 
and was going to escape to China where she knew she had some distant relatives. And in China, it's where she met the Lord in an underground church. And then she um, went to South Korea. <laughs> and for the last three years, she's been there. But now she's at Humboldt for this year. Um, so I was just like hearing her story and got the chills um, also. But she has been just a really huge encouragement to me um, as she's been in my study. And she just has a real heart for the Lord and has continued to give me just huge encouragement for God and what he's doing in the nations. And she has just this huge prayer warrior heart for North Korea. And so we spend time together praying for North Korea. Uh, so that's been really life-giving. Um, and then we have, our ministry is really growing in diversity, which I really also love. And I think is just a picture of God's body. Um, and so we, actually, we have a lot of Hispanic and South American students coming. And I just wanted to share this really encouraging um, fact that uh, as we're trying to kind of discern how to better just like, accommodate these um, Christian uh, Hispanic students and um, missiologists are predicting that the missionary force that will reach the 1040 window, the last frontier, the last people groups to hear the gospel, will come from Latinos and Hispanics because of their many cultural similarities. For example, over 6,000 Spanish words have Arabic roots. Second, research has shown that the least individualistic cultures are those in Latin America and countries in the 1040 window. Therefore, the gospel will likely flow faster from Latin and Hispanic missionaries. It's crucial we reach Hispanic students today so they'll reach a large section of the world tomorrow. So, We've been just really fired up to have these South American students and these um, Mexican students come to our ministry and, um, you know, just to better, like, serve them. We're hoping even, like, separate from our regular crew meetings to have just, like, fellowship Saturdays where they can fellowship together and speak Spanish to one another because many of them come from Spanish-speaking churches in L.A., but there's not that neat. There's not a Spanish-speaking church in Humboldt County. So just even, like, prayer for that would be wonderful for us. It's just how... Um, do we love and create an environment for these Hispanic students and allow them to just and build them up to uh, in the faith? Um, so I'm really excited for that um, and seeing how God has just been really surprising me in this ministry position, um, and it's been really fun. So um, next slide. Okay, so <laughs> I came back and I didn't really I knew I was going to be a student again, but. God's calling me back to the nations again, and I'm excited. Um, so there's a trip coming up that I'm actually that I'm going to be taking um, HSU students with me. So Lifelands Patagonia expedition. Um, I wanted to share this with you um, and just vision cast this project and would love prayer for it. Um, so from January 2nd to the 14th, this project will be happening, and it's in Chile. And the first week, we're going to be um, serving um, in, like, physical needs of the Chilean people. So we'll be working uh, doing disaster relief from the earthquake and orphanages and at food pantries and just um, partnering with the church that we're already connected with down there. And the second week is going down to Patagonia and backpacking and ministering to international travelers that come through and at the same time doing um, leadership and biblical um, training through um, a, like outdoor activity. And so when I heard about this trip, it was actually just happened in a whirlwind. Like I just found out I was going like two weeks ago. Um, I was at home in the Bay Area just for this three-hour period. And um, I heard about this project, looked at the application briefly. Um, but And I think I filled out some information because I got it. And I was at home, and my phone rang from the project director, who was just like, Megan, we'd love to like, tell you more about this project and this. And my mom actually answered the phone. And my mom just looks at me and is like, Megan, like, what are you doing now? And it was, just, it was really cute, because she was like, really supportive of it. But you know, she's like, what? Um, it was pretty cute. Um, and so I talked about it with the project director. And the more I just heard about this trip, I feel like it's a lot where God has our ministry at Humboldt. We have all these South American students. We're really trying to build into these leaders. Um, Humboldt being the outdoor, outdoor adventure land that it is, um, learning how to evangelize in a context of like 
let's go surfing. And I can teach, like, you know, teaching students how to share their faith through, like, outdoor learning and through that um, is the focus of this trip. And so I see so many benefits for taking Humboldt students on this trip. And right now we have five people from our ministry that are prayerfully considering going. Um, and something that's really exciting about that in the terms of um, leadership development and evangelizing to internationals while you backpack, which is really sweet. Um, we are on a mi student ministry, so we have two adult um, leaders who oversee us and disciple us. But next year, the majority of our student leaders are going to be graduating. Um, and so we're really looking to build up our freshmen and our sophomores and our juniors this year to continue to create this discipleship model. Um, so crew kind of operates under this um, win, build, and send. So tell people about Christ, develop them in their faith, and send them out to be missionaries to the nations and just have missional mindsets in wherever they are. Um, and so they really do um, emphasize discipleship. And, um, and so we're really praying for the next generation of leaders to step up next year. And so I'm really excited that a lot of the students are majority of the four students that hopefully will be joining me in Patagonia um, are going to be um, leaders for like the next two to three years in our ministry. So that's what's happening next uh, for me and what's happening at HSU um, in the next slide. Um, so I'd love for you guys to join me. Um, I'm going and I'd love prayer, prayer for these people and if um, there is financial need for trips like this. So if um, you feel so inclined to um, give, um, that is also um, a way you can help. Um, and so you can talk to me after. That would be great. Um, and here's just some simple instructions. Um, obviously, they're vague. And so talk to me if that's something on your heart. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's what's happening. And that's what God's doing in the nations and what he's doing around here. And so I hope you're encouraged and Love to open up this time to questions, maybe? Okay. Yeah. Any questions? Yeah, for the first yeah, for the first three months I was in language school. Um, but because I was shorter term in in the sense of like ten months, um, my longer-term teammates, who are, like, committed for, like, three, five, ten years, they are, like, really in intensive language classes. But most of the students that I was working with were actually pretty, like, proficient in English. And so the majority of our relationships were in English. And that was actually a gateway to build relationships, too, because they were like, we want to practice our English. And so that was something to our advantage. I didn't read it. I never learned that alphabet. Yeah, they could read English. And then we had, like, contraband in their language. So we just passed that on. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. Yeah, just the headscarf. So traditionally the burqa is, like, the long hijab. But um, I just wore kind of what the students wore. Um, and so that's how we, like, gauged how we would dress. It's like, all right, who are the people that are coming to our programs? And the demographic we were reaching was mainly, like, university and professionals. And, um, and yeah, it was just headscarf and, like, it's kind of the 98% rule. Like, face and hands and feet are, like, the only things that really show.
Mm-hmm. How was that? I mean, it's an impact on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we thought about it a lot. I don't know if I ever articulated into words, though. Um, yeah, it was a major concern in just, I guess, keeping that very separate from our work in the sense of like, okay, we're not here politically, we're here to help. Um, and as we know, NGO workers and aid workers are still targets of kidnapping and threats, um, usually like in hostage situations too, like for political power, like they use it as a political kind of weapon and tool. Um, but yeah, we, we were well received. Um, and the area that we were in, people wanted our help. Um, and the demographic of people that we were reaching were very like friendly and very hospitable to us. Um, but obviously, like the whole community didn't have that attitude. And so there was, there definitely was tension because of what is going on. Um, so it was a huge thing to be aware of, um, but also a thing just to trust the Lord in and to see like his power in that. Um, but overall, um, we really kept like, political conversations even out of our friendships. So I never felt, I guess, that pressure. There was, there was a tension that was kind of in the environment, but like the pressure from my individual relationships weren't there, if that makes sense. Um, and so, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Yeah, the mom question. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, I mean, that was my mom's biggest question. Yeah, we went through, like, very thorough hostage kidnapping training, and there's a headquarters that's based in Europe that oversees all the missionaries in that part of the world and is will actually, like, take us out of the situation before it happens. And if it's happening unexpectedly, then... Um, then they do have um, people that get us and stuff. So, yeah, they have. You mean, you're not over there, like, unbeknownst to you, you know, yeah. something happens. It's like, well, that's what Yeah. No, it, I, that was something I was really impressed with, and my parents were too, was just like the really, it, the crew is an amazing network in that sense of it is so global, and they have so many connections like that. So, um, so yeah, there was definitely like plan A, B, C, D, E <laughs> kind of provided for us, yeah. And, and prayerfully too, I think that was something that I really appreciated. Like when we were going through like hostage training, they're like, all right, like our main focus is to be a witness of Christ. So, so it was like really training in what does that look like when you're in that kind of situation. But it was... Yeah. Mhm. Mm yeah, prayer is the biggest need in terms of just there are team my teammates are there's another team that's there again. Um and I think when it comes to praying, it's obviously praying for people and doors to be open um for the gospel. Um, but think about like your needs every day that you pray for and pray those for missionaries because I think we have these like ideas of praying like or not even knowing how to pray for missionaries because you're just like I don't know what they're experiencing but honestly like from like November no like October to March I was just really cold and so, like I just kind of wanted prayer for the Lord to like help me be content in all circumstances you know and so just like 
It is simpler. It's simple. You're praying just for people who are working. Yes, it's a different environment, but like think of the needs that you pray for and like ask the Lord for and pray those over missionaries because they're, they're, for short-term missionaries or like for short-term trips, I think there are more pressing things you pray for or ex- like bigger like big prayers to ask God to do in like a short time. But when it's like long-term, it's a lot of just like life prayers. So to pray those over. Yeah, we do. So um, we do meet every Friday, like I said, and that is open to um, just like everyone. And that's something I'm really excited about this year is we have like at least a handful of seekers who are coming. And um, actually, I'm meeting with three Buddhists. (laughs) Um, And they're all like one's from Japan, one's from Laos, and one's just a girl who grew up in Maryland, but her parents didn't give her any, like, religious foundation. We're like, just choose what you want, and she chose Buddhism. So um, it's a lot of that, like, teaching students to how to share their faith and, like, have those relationships naturally with, like, their classmates and everything. So we really have this model of, like, we pray that every student at HSU would know someone who truly follows after Christ. Um, And so we're trying to build up people to just live a life that is worthy of the gospel in that sense. And so we have the our main like meeting on Fridays, but we're having an outreach event actually next weekend for women, and it's called Christmas in November. And um, we like meet at Trinity Baptist and uh, just in their gym, and we teach women how to do crafts for the holidays. And it's like with the goal of we're preparing students, um, women, to like fully get ready for... Christmas. So we also have that time of sharing what the true meaning of Christmas is. Um, and it's just really fun. So we do have these outreach events. That's one of them that's happening next weekend. Um, and like all women are welcome too. So um, if you want to be involved with that, you can invite your friends. Um, and like my discipler who, you know, she's in her 50s, she's like, I'm just inviting my hair like stylist to this event. And so, you know, if you want to be involved in that, please let me know because it's just a women's event that we put on and host. Um, And so we have like a couple main outreaches during the year. And, but our main focus is really training students how to just do that with their life, like at all times to just be sharing with Yeah, they have a pretty good program for exchange international students on campus, and they, like, live in the same dorm, and they have programs for them. And that's actually been kind of, like, an interference in a sense, or not an interference, but, like, they are so monitoring these international students that, like, sometimes they even want to know what we're up to. <laughs> and so it's like, we're just making friends. But so it's, they, they actually do have a really great program that is helping these students and, uh, they, a lot of them do stay up here, but they take them to like San Francisco, and they take them on trips to see other places of California on breaks. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. was very good. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And the, the update on what's going on in the Middle East, it, you know, it's one of those things where we hear about some very general things, but it's neat to hear the, some of the very specific things that are happening. And uh, some of you have supported uh, missions both in the Middle East and some to China where they go on government programs where they're teaching English and different things where they have that opportunity. And it's really, it's really great. So thank you. Uh, as we prepare our hearts for communion this morning, I just wanted to share quickly 
this was out of uh, the uh, Daily Bread, but it's it's an older one, and it's just one of the ones that I, I saved uh, just because of uh, kind of a special time to share it. I thought I'd share it this morning. It's called The World's Longest Table. Maybe some of you will remember reading this. Um, on Sunday, July 18th, uh, and this was 2010, one of the busiest highways in Europe became what is called the longest table in the world. Officials closed a 60-kilometer, that's 37 miles, uh, uh, section of the A40 Autobahn in Germany, which is the major connecting ones, uh, uh, so people could walk and bicycle or sit at one of 20,000 tables set up on the roadway. An estimated 2 million people came to enjoy an event the director hoped would connect people from many uh, cultures, generations, and nations. And so this is where the, the author of this one is going. He says, this event made me think of an even greater table around which believers gather to share the Lord's Supper. During communion, we remember Jesus' death for, uh, as we anticipate the culmination of history at his return. Just before Jesus was crucified, he shared the Passover meal with the disciples, telling them, I will not drink or eat this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. The Lord's table unites everyone, uh, unites everyone Christ has redeemed by his blood out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. One day in a, a scene of reunion and joy, all who belong to Jesus will sit down together with him at a table that will dwarf I like the way he put that, dwarf the Audubon gathering. We joyfully anticipate sharing that table together. And I, applying that to the idea of, of, of the nations, around the world, Christians gather on Sunday and they celebrate and share the table. Obviously different time zones, so we're doing it at different times around the world, but you realize that almost puts it into a 24-7 point around the world. Someone is coming around the table to gather and share in, in God and what he's done for us through Christ, uh, the, our salvation, uh, the, the grace, the mercy. And so as we come to this table, just think of it in terms of, of the place we all gather. And yet, as we come collectively together, we each come individually as well. As we worship the Lord, uh, re just receiving and bathing in his grace and, 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 and at the same time, rejoicing in his, his, his mercy and forgiveness. So I'd ask the ushers to come and to pass the communion out, hold it until we've all been served, and we'll then uh, share it together. was lost in darkest night yet though i knew the way the sin that promised joy in life had led me to the grave i had no hope that you would own a rebel to your will and if you had not love me first I would refuse you still but as I ran my hellbound race indifferent to the cost you looked upon my helpless state and led me to the cross and I beheld God's love displayed, you suffered in my place. You bore the wrath reserved for me. Now all I know is grace. Hallelujah. All I have is Christ. Hallelujah. is my life. No, Lord, I would be 
yours alone and live so all might see the strength to follow your commands could never come from me oh father use my ransom life in any way you choose and let my song forever be my only boast is you hallelujah all i have is christ hallelujah jesus is my life hallelujah strength to follow your commands would never come from me oh father use my ransom life in any way you choose and let my song forever be my only boast is you sing because of what Christ has done for us. And as, he, as we come to the table together to share in the bread and the cup, we're reminded what Jesus did on the night that he was betrayed as he shared the, the meal with his uh, disciples and taking the bread and after giving thanks, he broke it. He gave it to them and he said, this is my body. And he asked them that every time that they would eat this, and including throughout the history of the church, until he comes again, every time that we would eat this, we would do it in remembrance of him. Taking a cup of wine, Jesus held it before them and used the, the beautiful picture of, of the wine as his blood poured out for us that would purchase the covenant of the grace that we would share in. And again, asking and saying, he would not share this until that time, which I believe is the marriage feast, when we're all gathered together at that one table. And I think it's going to be an amazing thing where somehow we're all at this table and we're, we're in the immediate presence of Christ and yet we're all together somehow. And it's going to be amazing. And, and we look forward to that and that great hope. Jesus said, this is my blood poured out to purchase the covenant, that grace that we have. He asked us as often as we do it to do it in remembrance of him. Father, again, we thank you for the grace you've poured out on us. The reality of, of knowing with absolute confidence that when we fall short, if we will confess our sins, you will be faithful to forgive. And also as we come to, together at the table and as a conclusion of the service, realizing too that the need to be committed to uh, living for Christ 
in every way that we can, desiring to be open and ready to share what you have done for us, our testimony, uh, uh, the grace that you've poured out on us as people ask or give opportunity. I think again of of the, the sign that is over the doors there of Campton Heights Baptist. You are now entering, as you leave the church, the sign says you are now entering the mission field. That is to all of us. We ask, Lord, your blessing on Megan as uh, uh, she shares, especially as they put together this chilling ministry uh, outreach and uh, preparing the people to go. We ask, Lord, you would meet them at every need in the preparation and then meet them at every turn in the journey in the mission work. And uh, again, thanking you for her sharing today. Ask your blessing on her. And uh, a special prayer for her family. Lord, that as she prays for students, that there would be someone that would, that would you bring across their paths that would know you at the, at the university. We pray for people across the, fa- the, the family member's path that uh, would have opportunity to share uh, their faith with them and, and, and bringing them, Lord, to salvation. Mm-hmm. Again, thanking you for the day you've blessed us with. In Jesus' name, amen.